0: Welcome to North Georgia Business Radio, coming to you from the Business Incubator at Brunel University. This is the show where we talk about our local businesses, and not just the great local businesses in our community, but the people behind them, the people that run them and their stories. And as always, I'm joined with Dr. Bill Lampton. How's it going, Dr. Bill? Just great to be with North Georgia Business Radio again. Well, I had a good friend in Atlanta, Gene Hammond actually has a great podcast called Leaders in in the Trenches. He had an article show up on Inc. And the article is titled, Three Underestimated Skills Technically Gifted People Need to Become Strong Leaders. Now, what this is referring to is that somebody that might be really good at what they do, but they might still need to do a little work to become leaders. And he gave some areas where the people that make that transition from just being good at what you do to
1: being effective leaders. And I thought we'd run over some of those ideas very good you know and thinking about this bow we could look for example at bill gates with microsoft and steve jobs with apple you can imagine at the time that they came onto the scene and became really the kingpins of their industries there were other people who were technically gifted who might have had some of the same skills maybe some of the same plans But you got to persuade people, you've got to persuade a team, you've got to persuade investors. And until you can do that, everybody else who can do it is going to be far ahead of you. So
0: persuasive communication skills. And that's one of the the things I brought out of that. Sometimes it goes beyond just understanding what I'm trying to say.
1: Yes, it's also uh, understanding how people receive you, it's knowing your audience, it's knowing how they are reacting, it's knowing what they want.
0: Let's talk about, let's keep going because I really want to get to our guest. I'm excited about the show today. The second thing that came up in this Inc. article was balancing vision, you know, the big picture vision,
1: and execution. Think of the people who've had dreams But they never got anywhere because they did not get to that second step of execution. I've read some very good books on execution because it is critical for a small business or even a very large company to execute the plans. When I find, if you're honest with yourself, sometimes it takes
0: different people to both be a visionary and to actually have somebody to help implement and execute the vision that part of my maturation as an entrepreneur was learning I'm a visionary to the extreme and until I started building people that they were really good and thrive integrating and implementing those things I was really bottleneck I was the bottleneck in my own business well
1: maybe a good observation here would be to look at the number of large companies that have a CEO probably the visionary guy, but they have a COO who's the one who puts it into action. That's right. You've got the operations to help implement that vision.
0: And the last topic of these that do this very successfully that Gene brought up in the article, no surprise, it's a skill at relationship building.
1: Yes, and this is where the building a team, keeping the team informed, keeping the team excited – Learning even from the team, the the idea uh, back in the 1940s and 50s and maybe into the 60s was that what the boss said was what happened. But we've learned long since then that great ideas and great strategies can come from listening to your team. And one other thing that keeps
0: coming up that I love about these business success skills, they translate into life. So talk about business and relationship building that's what i love about what we do here at north georgia business radio x so let's dive right into building some new relationships here or some familiar relationships with some great local businesses
1: yes and two very stimulating well-informed leaders as our guest today it's my privilege to introduce our first one jenny westmoreland the founder and owner of of I speak canine. What in the heck Jenny Westmoreland is I speak canine all about?
2: Thank you for having me today. I'm so excited to get to talk about this. Um, I speak can- I'm an animal behaviorist. Okay, so what we do is we have a training facility as well as boarding and a stay-and-play program. So we're a little different. Well, actually, we're a lot different than the other places you might go. We call it I Speak Canine because we actually do communicate with the dogs. So when your dog comes to see us, we do everything behavior-based. We teach you how to speak with the dogs. We teach you how to translate what they're trying to tell you. Dogs get 80% body language and only 20% verbal cues. So everything that we do is a communication with the dog. We cater to the dogs. We don't have bunk beds and pictures on the wall and stuff. We do have ice cream on Fridays. But we are more dog oriented. We have 10,000 square feet. We have 42 suites and 22 condos. And they can come and board, board and train, or go to our stay and play program. We even have like a school-based little program called sit and stay where you drop them off in the morning and pick them up in the afternoon. They train all day as opposed to just play. But they don't go home with less manners than they came with. Other places will let them come in and drag you from point A to point B. But we speak to the dog in a way that they clearly understand. And we make sure that they understand what we're talking about simply because we do we do know how to talk to them. All of my staff is trained. Everybody knows we don't just put them in a run to let them decide who they want to play with. We call it making soup. We add energies, so that's basically what our Speaking now is.
0: Well, I'm curious, Jenny, as we talk about this, uh, I don't want to give away your secret, so to speak, but are there a couple of examples of? When you see a dog or notice it doing this kind of thing, you know it means that that the average person might not realize.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, that's a really good question. One of the biggest misconceptions in the entire dog world is tail wagging. You see a dog wagging its tail, you automatically assume that a dog's happy. If a dog is wagging his tail from left to right in a low fashion, that means I'm happy. If it goes over to the right, it means I've never seen that before. If it goes to the left, it means that's making me nervous. In between the legs is I'm afraid. Straight out is I'm making a decision. But up and over the back like a rattlesnake means I'm going to bite you. Wow. You know, I had a lady call me last week, and she's like, I really need help. You know, my dog's bitten three people, and I don't understand it. He must be crazy. He wags his tail the whole time. And when I explained to her what was going on, she said if I'd only known that, I could have stopped it. I mean, the tail is wagging to let you know. Please don't make me bite this person. Do something.
0: Wow.
1: Jenny, I've heard you say before that what you do is a is a gift from God that very few people, almost innately, can communicate with animals as you do. And from what I remember it started quite young with horses. Tell us about that in your your real early youth.
2: I was born into a horse family. That was not, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, let's go to your house and ride horses. I'd be like, let's go to your house and not. You know what I mean? (laughs) My family was diehard horse people. We showed horses every single weekend from before I was born until I was in there 27 years. My oldest brother, who was 22 years older than me, was the horse whisperer. He could do it all. And not just horses, everything. You know, he could talk to any animal. And the stuff he taught me about horses, when you apply it to a dog who can communicate easier just made it happen you know all that stuff as a matter of fact i was out of horses for 20 years and went ahead and bought a horse again just to see if i could communicate with a horse better now than i did before since i'd been doing all this with a dog so yes Westmoreland paint horses on clarks road is where I've and I grew
1: then out. what made you transition to training dogs
2: <laughs> well like i said you know i did not choose the horse world even though i loved it and but it was really a job at my house that's what you did so when i had my children and I knew, you know, I rode the horses that nobody else could ride. So I was always taking my life in my hands. And then when I had my children, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let them do this stuff. I'm, you know, I'd really rather do something else. And that's when I decided to. I got a dog that was a purebred dog. And then I thought, oh, well, if that one's good, let me see what a really good one is. And then got a really good one. And I thought, well, i got to prove this because I'm used to the show ring. And I started showing dogs, training dogs. And then I went back to school at 43 years old and got my degree in animal behavior.
0: Well, that was my next question. So as you transitioned to working, you say, I'm going to do this with dogs now. Was that the background training, the the formal education?
2: Yes. It was, um, you know, just handling animals forever. Not just horses, but, you know, we had chickens and pigs and cows, a lot of cows. And, um, you know, when I went back to school, the main thing was I was showing confirmation dogs at that time, and I knew what the outside of the dog was supposed to look like. But we always hear about hip dysplasia.
1: What's a confirmation dog? A
2: confirmation dog is a dog that is judged in the show ring on how it looks, how it's put together. Every purebred dog has a breed standard, and it has to look like the breed standard says. So, you know, I just kept hearing all these things about hip dysplasia and elbow dysplasia. And I thought, well, you know, maybe I need to know what the inside of the dog looks like. So I went back to vet tech school, and then from there, it changed into behavior, and that's where I landed. That's where I'm supposed to be.
0: Even a deeper level of understanding that Yes. Inside and, and is, out, literally.
2: Yeah. Four years of school and behavior was like reading a good book. My kids were like, hey, mom, you remember me? We still eat and live here.
0: Well, that was my next question. So working and, and digging in with these animals, these dogs, does it help any in... Communicating with humans, or does it just make you want to communicate more with animals?
2: Well, think about it. I have to communicate with both. Right. The human owns the dog. And I can tell you straight up, I have never met a dog that came into this world with a problem. Every problem was created by the human. So I rehabilitate dogs, and I train people. I was gonna say,
0: There you go. Train you the know? owners.
2: Yes. And, you know, I ha- it's like a third-party thing. I have to go through the person to get to the dog. So, yeah, the, I have to communicate with people, and I have to be a good listener because they don't always tell you exactly what's going on. Sometimes they're embarrassed that maybe mm. they didn't do it right, even though they're not supposed to. They don't do what I do. But – I have to ask them sometimes the same question six or seven different ways in hopes that they will give me because I can look at the animal I can tell by watching a dog react to a certain situation what has been done in the past because dogs don't learn like we do they memorize so by the time you react to a situation the exact same way three times in a row the dog is starting to imprint so
1: well the um The thing that impressed me the first time I ever saw you in action with dogs is how when you enter a room and there's a pet there, you have an authority that the people who own the pet don't have, the next-door neighbors wouldn't have. You just automatically... Have an authority. Is that the uh, God-given part of it? Is that something you developed or what? (laughs) Absolutely, Bill. You know, that's funny you said
2: that because when I go to someone's house, I have to ignore the dog and I have to use good body language because, like I said, they get 80% body language. So, you know, if two dogs meet in the park, one slouches, the other one stands up straight. The slouchy one is the weak one. The one that stands up straight is the strong one. So, number one, when I walk in your house, I have got to ignore the dog because if I interact with the dog, it won't interact with you because I'm the new toy. Also, I have to have good body language to get the dog to leave me alone so that I can watch the dog interact with you so that I can figure out where your problems is coming from. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. Now, I,
0: now, is there a method to that? I mean, is, I know like, when we're talking about people, you've got all kinds of – Cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. Gestalt, you know all these different things. Is there is there a mode or a method you you come from?
2: That I come from. That
0: you that you use. Everything
2: that we do. You hear about positive reinforcement, right? Okay, that's a great thing, and I use positive reinforcement all day, every day. But. The, the thing that you don't hear about positive reinforcement is that you have to make sure that the dog totally understands what you're asking it to do. Let's say I teach a dog to sit, and I know the dog knows what I'm talking about. I've done it over and over. The dog knows what the word means. It knows what the release word is. Then one day, I take it outside under more distraction, and, the, and I know the dog understands me. I tell it to sit, and it blows me off. Then a correction has to happen. Now, here's the big thing. A lot of people don't want to use corrections on their dogs. They think it's mean well i'm not talking about hitting your dog or kicking your dog i'm talking about using a correction that the dog understands when puppies are babies if they're doing something that the mother's taught them not to do she picks them up by the scrub of the neck now hold on i'm not going to pick your dog up by the scrub of the neck but that is where collars came from that's why we use tension on the neck as a correction when people put leashes on dogs and you pull on the leash that to a dog is a correction because of what it learned from its mother The release of the tension is the reward. So if I pull on a dog, I'm telling it, no, don't do that. Come this way or stop doing that or whatever. But the minute it stops, I've got to release, even if I know it's going to do it again. So positive reinforcement is the method that I use, but I make sure that the dog understands me. And then I will correct if the dog just blatantly says no.
1: Jenny, getting back to something you said earlier, certainly the pet owners call them parents if we want to. Mm -hmm. Certainly the pet owners, that's a vital relationship that you must maintain as well as your relationship with the pet. And being a pet owner myself, I know, and certainly in my family I see, that many pet owners think of this as their child, yes, so do. if you were to reprimand man, somebody's child, say a pediatrician would do that, the parents would be upset, and so you have you really have a dual role. You, mm. Part of your role is is training the dog, and secondly is is, I guess I'll use the word pacifying the the quote parents.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right, but I think you, I don't have to tell you, Bill, that I'm i am very well known for being straight up. If I see you doing something you don't need to do, I tell people right off the bat, I'm here for the dog. I know you're paying me, but I'm here for the dog. And the reason that I can get by with that is because I can show you results. Okay, if your dog is doing something that you don't want it to do and you have called me to come and help you fix it and I see that you are the cause of that, I'm going to explain it in a way that you can understand it. Then I will take your dog from you and I will show you how to make it work. And once you see that it's working, then they believe me. And then I can be very honest with people. You know, I let them tell me in the way that they want to. But number one, your dog does not want to be your baby. It does not know how to be a human it doesn't want to be a human it wants to be your dog and what's wrong with that we bought it for a dog you know i mean they want to be your dog but a lot of times you're right bill people want to treat them like they're babies and that's when they get confused and frustrated and that's when i get the call for the bad behaviors you know i specialize in severe aggression and i'm going to tell you you have a dog in a house with a bunch of small children or you know people who want to pick that dog up and hold it like a baby or you know make it do this or that things that dogs don't understand all the time that's when I get that call about aggression because what can they do think about it. your dog's in captivity he's in captivity he didn't call you and say hey dude can I move in you know I mean can't so when he gets in there he's there and he's a, he is a victim of whatever's happening in the house so I'm I'm pretty straight with people you know me Bill I'm pretty yes. straight. Well,
0: for our listeners out there, Jenny, uh, so say they're either they're contemplating getting a new dog maybe, or maybe they're seeing some of these things that this behavior just, i feel like i'm not getting on top of it what's the recommendation do you is it across the board you recommend to everybody you get a puppy that needs to go into training or what what's kind of the thought process there?
2: that is a really great question if we have small children in the house you know I, we need to get a dog that is going to be easy going that the kid because you can't teach a two-year-old you know i've got two grandchildren and as much as time as i spend with them you can't teach them not to do certain things um what I would do when, what I tell people is that you need to match the energy. Number one, that you want in your house. And number two, that you already have. You never get a dog that is of higher energy than what you already have. With, let's say you combine all the energy of your entire family together, and. The energy that you get, whether it be one to five, five being the highest, one being the lowest. If you come up with a three and you see this puppy and it's very high, maybe a four or five, that puppy does not need to be added into that home. Okay. Then you have to ask yourself, what am I willing to do? How much training am I willing to do? Think about it, dogs don't come here to be mean to us or to aggravate us on purpose, they have to be trained. So if you're not willing to train the dog, then you need to get one of even lower energy, one that'll just go lay down somewhere and won't give her a problem. But I get a lot of calls from people who just expect dogs to just go lay down somewhere, and then they don't. You know, we have breeds that don't mature until they're three. These new designer dogs—Labradoodles, Golden Doodles, Cockapoo Doodles, or the Double Doodles, or whatever—I get those, and they don't mature until they're three. They'll be the greatest dogs in the world when they're three, but you got three years to get there you so. got to
0: make it that long. Well, Bill, right. I, don't, I think we'd be remiss if you didn't tell me one of your the favorite Jenny stories you shared with me was the previous name of the the actual facility and what kind of came up for Jenny that you learned about.
1: Oh, yes. When I first got in contact with Jenny and we brought our little dog Georgia to her for training, the name of her building then and her business was Tail Waggers, and one day – I said to Jenny with a big smile on my face, You know, Jenny, this place being called Tailwaggers, you might have some confusion. Might have some guys showing up here thinking it's a nightclub.
2: <laughs> we actually did have that happen, Bill. We, um, when we were at the other building, and it, we still we were trying to separate from the names of Tailwaggers, but had not done that yet. Had a lady call, and um, asked me if her husband was there (laughs) and i said no ma'am we don't have anyone here by that name she said well i know you do because i put a gps tracker on his truck and he goes there every day at 12 30 does brenda work there and i'm like no ma'am we don't have a brenda i'm still oblivious man i didn't have a clue whatever she was talking about i don't go to places like that so i didn't know come to find out she did put a tracker on it and he was going to meet a person who was smoking outside of the business across the street, I guess, every day, and she thought it was, Tailwaggers was a nightclub. So yeah, that was very interesting, very so, interesting.
0: So not only full service helping you with your dog, your dog can stay there, though, uh, Jenny will even help you with, with husband
1: advice, anything uh, that comes up. No,
2: uh, let <laughs> me tell you, I've been married three times. <laughs> I'm the last person you want Well, maybe ask you
1: learned something by now.
2: Yeah, yeah, I sure have. I'm going to be single for a long time. Uh, Dogs are much easier to get along with, and I understand them much better. Well,
0: well Jenny, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show today. If, if somebody's out there listening, they say, yeah, I need to talk to her. I need to yeah. either check with something I'm dealing with, or, hey, I just need a place to board that I know sure. somebody knows what they're doing and they're not just locking them up in a room or something. Exactly. What's the best way to find out more or get a hold of you?
2: Um, we We have had websites in the past, but we find that, um, Facebook has just been great for us. You know, And I, I know a lot of people don't think that's the case, but we put all kinds of pictures of the dogs that are staling. So if you go to I Speak Canine on our Facebook page, it's I Speak Canine Home of Tail Waggers. You'll see, if your dog's coming there, you'll see your dog. You'll see all the dogs that are there. You'll get all of our information, all of our prices. Um, you can also call our office at 770-532-1917. We are located at 633 High Street West, right next door to the Good News Clinic. And you are more than welcome to drop in anytime. If you call somewhere and they tell you you have to make an appointment, beware. Drop in anytime you want. We're always doing the same thing training dogs.
1: And let's clarify the K9 is the letter K 9.
2: Exactly. Thank you. Very catchy. K9.
0: Very good. Jenny, thank you so much for being on North Georgia Business Radio. And guys, look it up. This is something. We have a dog whisperer in our midst, so take advantage of that right here in town. And as we, we get onto another local business, and this is fascinating to me, Bill, because you know here at, at North Georgia Business Radio, we are running a podcast stream or podcast studio, and our next guest, Dusty Porter, he runs a media company called Porter Media, and under the YouTube umbrella, Dusty Porter, his name, he's had over 260,000 subscribers and over 60 million Video views. So I think Dusty might know a little bit about this technology,
1: some of the part that challenges me and what he's doing here. Well, and uh, the part of that, he has produced on YouTube 700 instructional videos.
0: How Very, about that? Well, and I, I heard he helped you with some of your videos, and that's what makes you look so good.
1: I need all the help I can get.
0: Well, and also in Dusty's, before we bring Dusty on in his spare time, he DJs and videos weddings when he's not doing his 60 million views things. So, mm-hmm. Dusty Porter, welcome to North Georgia Business Radio.
3: Gentlemen, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Bill and I talk very frequently. Bo, I was really looking forward to meeting you, and you guys haven't disappointed. And uh, it's going to be super hard to, uh, to to follow up that last uh, guest, but I'm really excited to be here. Well, one question is,
0: is really, how did you even get in? Were you always a technology person or... What got you to audio and really doing what you do now?
3: Well, as I've told Bill before, I've always been interested in technology, Um, very interested in the, uh, the iteration of how quickly technology changes. And so the beauty of what I get to do on YouTube and consulting and even beyond that now is that things are changing so quickly you know, in technology, in the YouTube space, in the podcasting world, that there's always something new to learn. There's always some way to be better, to improve. Um, And so I just really found the niche, the need was there. And I decided to kind of try to capitalize on it. And I've got a long way to go, but I'm really excited about the base that I've built and think that the future bodes well for the industry that, that I'm in.
0: Well, I'm really excited uh, connecting because of the technical background because that's that's the part that I'm really working on myself. But for the business owner out there, I, I get a lot of calls asking, hey, I want to do a podcast. I'd like to do a podcast. They, they know things are heading that way. They know it's helpful. Uh, but really, how can that help a business? Or, or what would you tell that business owner, either thinking of one or maybe not thinking it's a valuable tool? The one part of
3: everything that I do that I don't get to talk about as much as I would like to is the business side of things. I love I love hearing about entrepreneurial journeys. I love hearing about people starting a business, the the rags to riches and being able to to quit the 9 to 5 and be able to be you know have freedom to do what they want to do. Um and to answer your question Bo about podcasting, I know that I started mine around just over 4 years ago now and it is probably One of the top two or three things that I did in my business that have helped me gain more clients and monetarily be able to bring people into my circle and really help me not only further my business, but further my network. As I'm interviewing these people on my podcast, and so now not only am I getting the benefit of the podcast, but I'm also getting the benefit of growing my network of people that I know. And so, oh, I need an artist for a t-shirt design. Well, I'm a terrible artist, but I interviewed a guy about a year ago who I know we can bounce some ideas off of. And so not only just the business aspect of things, but the podcast is just its the new, the new future of radio. Uh, Radio, I love radio. I listen to a lot of AM radio. I listen to a lot of sports on on radio. But it's going the way of podcasting. Uh, Being able to record, Bo, you and I were talking before we went went live, is that it's so easy now. There is no technological barrier to being able to record a podcast. You just got to go do the research on YouTube, which again, which is where kind of what I get come play to help you there. But then once you do that, you're good to go. Once you get the equipment, you learn a little bit about it, plug it in, you're ready to go.
0: And what range? So, you know, there's a lot of podcasts. Maybe we talked about leadership, our friend Gene Hammett. There's there's business. But is there anything off limits? Are there two obscure topics? Because I see a lot of different things out there.
3: So you guys know this. When you plug a microphone in, put some headphones on and start talking, you immediately become an authority, regardless of if you want to or not. And the scary thing about that is that they're Are authorities out there that should not be? Um, And so, when you are talking into a microphone, you just automatically to people sound professional. But the thing about you know a a podcast is that why I love it is let's say you're into Game of Thrones, okay? Well, there's going to be 10 podcasts about that. Let's say you are into healthy living or you're into a keto diet. There's going to be a podcast about that. Whereas with radio, you basically you scan the stations and you hope you stumbled upon something that you wanted. The beauty of podcasting is, is that someone can go to iTunes or Spotify, search for YouTube, and immediately have my podcast pull up. They don't have to wait. They don't have to scan. They don't have to pay anything, and they're automatically, they have over 100 hours of content that could possibly help them take their YouTube channel to the next level
0: already just just saw one coming. I think we should do a monthly dog training tip on yes. Jenny's podcast well, about that.
3: I'm going to be honest with you. I was listening to Jenny speak, and I have a dog myself, and I know my wife was probably listening thinking, well, it's because of him she's this way. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to be
2: honest with you. I was already getting ready to ask you that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm all over it, man.
0: <laughs> well, and another thing that I've noticed, too, you, you were bringing up this idea of the beauty of a podcast is people are searching for that topic, mm-hmm. whereas terrestrial radio, traditional radio, it, it can be somewhat of a scatter approach and you're catching the audience that's listening. Uh, but but talk to, you've seen this and, and you're probably much more familiar than me, is how has that affected monetization? If you can go to a podcast and say, hey, the listener there is probably pretty ideal.
3: Well, because you know Business Radio X is going to be talking to entrepreneurs, you can really target, which is what Facebook has done so well over the growth of that business model is that Facebook and Google are able to target you know, you're looking for a new dog bed. Well, they know that because you've been Googling it so they can target these ads to you. Uh, this show is about entrepreneurs, so we're going to you know, have task managers and applications that you know may help out entrepreneurs. My show is about YouTube, and so I've had a sponsor. This is very rare in radio, and I've talked to people about this. I've had a, a title sponsor on my, my show, the YouTube Creator Sub podcast, that has been with me now for almost four years. Wow. And the reason why is because my audience is very actionable. The people that listen to my show, I've built trust because that's another thing that podcasting does. You start talking to people. You're in their ears. It's very intimate. You're in their ears 30 minutes a week, whatever it may be. They begin to think they know you. They begin to think you're a friend. You're an authority. We've already talked about that. And so then you can sell them things. Then every sponsor that comes on your show, you're not just tossing random things to the wall. You're tossing things that they need. So the sponsor that I have is a, a tool that works directly inside of YouTube. And because of that, almost any new listener that I get because of their business model almost always picks up that tool. And so the return on investment for that sponsor is so much greater than just someone who is advertising something random that no one would use. Right. You know, and one of the things I think back to when I started the
0: Rich Life Show, this was over 10 years ago, and I remember thinking an hour of time, hmm. To fill a radio hour, that was that was daunting, and it. If you knew, we'll tell the story one day. But Leroy's I was thrown in, and said, "Okay, you can start this week." So it was very daunting. But what I'm finding, and it's even in a, in a demographic I work with that's a little older, they're they're transitioning into retirement, is that anymore you don't need to prep an hour of content. I, I'm I'm finding people want topical content. 10 to 15 minutes, maybe, Mm -hmm. that they can search and find when they're looking
3: for it. Yeah, it's finding that. And the beauty of podcasting, and you know this too, is that there's no set format. I don't have to be exactly in 30 minute time slots. I don't exactly have to talk about this and then this. You know, you can kind of format it the way that you want. But the YouTube Creator Sub show that I've done that's been so successful is it's an interview based show. I keep it to 30 minutes, it's very bite sized. 30 minutes is, you know, a good time for people to go take a jog clean the house. You got to kind of think about these things when you're formatting your show. And then the other show that I do with my other sponsors called two buddy express, that's about an eight to 10 minute show. And like you just said, it's very topical. I cover one topic. I don't worry about news. I let other people do that. I give them exactly what they want. They want the meat. I give them the meat, and I give them eight to ten minutes of, hey, here's something I've been thinking about this week. Here's this topic on something that YouTube's doing or changing. You can implement in these ways to help you improve your channel. Ten minutes, they're done. They've got a little value bomb inside of them that hopefully they can take to their channel and implement. And then after that, they're good to go. They can go on their day.
1: What would you compare uh, or how would you compare the – impact of podcasting versus the impact of YouTube. I I guess podcasting appeals to those who like to learn and and enjoy by audio and video for those who want to see. Mm -hmm. They're, They're two different platforms that I've had to
3: learn even the past couple of years how to differentiate them and how to possibly merge them together. Podcasting is a, just mentioned earlier, a more intimate type of media where YouTube is more of a visual type of media, obviously, with video. And so, whereas podcasting, people want things that can make them the light bulb go off in their head as they're listening whereas YouTube a lot of times they're going there to be visually stimulated whether it be to be entertained to be educated or to you know possibly just follow someone they followed on another platform so you've got the two different areas i've found that they don't you don't want to cross them too much you don't want to record a podcast and then just pu- publish audio to your YouTube channel that doesn't really go that well i've tried it and the same thing goes for repurposing visual or video content In an audio form, that doesn't work either. So, if you were able to, as a business, and I was, I was thinking uh, as Jenny was talking with her business, I was thinking of ways she could use video and audio. That's just initially how I think now because I work with businesses and consult with them of how she could use a podcast to help her business and to help people not just in North Georgia but across the world who need help with their dogs. Because that's the beauty of what I do. Whereas you know, people can you know have their businesses honed in on one specific area. The podcast and the YouTube allows you to continually have your message be heard. And I heard someone come on my podcast and say this. They said every video I do on YouTube is a business card. And it's true. It's a business card, a digital business card that's working for you twenty four seven.
1: One of the differences I, I noticed many years ago. I've been a college football fan all my life, not so much professional football, but Go Dogs. College. And go dogs is right and one of the things i noticed many years ago if you happen to hear a game on radio you get a certain picture you know we call it the theater of the mind mm-hmm. and you get a certain picture now supposedly let's suppose that maybe the next week the game is being reshown on video and you watch the game you you heard and many times you're surprised; it just doesn't seem mm-hmm. to be even the same event. Mm-hmm. And for people who grew up before television really had a lot of college football, and most of the listening, uh, most of the way they got to hear a game or see it uh, in the mind, it, it was by radio. Mm-hmm. And there was, uh, in some ways, there was a magic to that because. You pictured how it was going to be, and and possibly if you'd seen the game, it could have been much duller. Yeah, I think of the
3: great Larry Munson. You know, yes, pe- people yes. who listen to this show will know how he could just paint such a beautiful picture of whether it's you know sugar falling from the sky mm-hmm. or you know we hit him with a hobbledehobble <laughs> boot. Yes, um, you know he did such a great job, and I think that people ask me often. You know, do you think anybody can podcast or anybody can go on radio or on YouTube? The business side of me wants to say yes because, you know, there's ob- prospective clients. But the obvious answer to that is is no. I mean, you there there is a sense of artistry to it. There is a sense of being able to, I say this a lot, to be able to simplify to help other people amplify. Ah, great. And, and that's kind of what I like to do is that I simplify my topics. I simplify what I'm doing in hopes of helping people to easily understand how they can use this bit of knowledge to help them grow. And I think the, the, the coolest part about what we get to do, and, and Bo and Bill, you know this too, doing what we're doing today. When you interview someone, it's almost as if you get to know them immediately. I mean, you start to interview them, and you start asking them questions that not even sometimes their closest friends know about them, about their family. And it's so fun to see where interviews go. But you're right, Bill. It's the, the audio format is such a, a form of art that I'm still learning. And to be able to, to do what I do, the, the favorite part of my week is when I get to interview someone and I get to dive deep into their business, into their YouTube channel, and to really kind of pick apart what makes them tick and what makes them work.
0: Well, I think a thing that's valuable to understand, too, is different people consume information differently. So maybe both channels, we're giving ourselves a broader reach. Or I guess the other side I think about is maybe if somebody hears it, then later sees it, and then reads an article about it, then you're kind of omnipresent all of a sudden. Hey, this dusty guy's everywhere. Mm -hmm.
3: Maybe he's legit. Yeah. It's funny how many people come to my YouTube videos and they say, Oh, I didn't even know this was you dusty. I listened to your podcast for two years. Um, (laughs) and you know, the thing is, is that, you know, my wife's a teacher, she teaches in third grade and there are she tells me all the time. I don't know anything about this. She's way smarter than me, but she tells me all the time that different kids have different ways of learning things, whether it be visually, whether it be, um, kinetic moving and doing and and actually having their hands in it. Um, but you know, the thing is, is what you said, Bo is so true is that maybe I don't, don't catch that client on a video, but maybe they go check out my podcast and about 10 episodes in, they're like, okay, that's it. I got to hire this guy. I mean, I work with so many different podcast companies who start podcasts, and that's one of the surf, you know, services that I offer is helping people set up their podcast. I was working with a tire company. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Handcooked Tire. Uh, I've been working with them on getting their podcast up and running. The guy that is hosting that show later on told me, he said, Dusty, this has been one of the greatest things we've ever done because now we're, we're getting involved and in, in connecting with people in a different way than we ever have before. And that's the beauty of podcasting is being able to take all of these avenues, all of these mediums, and utilizing them for one purpose, and that's to spread your message and to build your business.
0: Very good. Well, another, so a lot of the contingency listening and, of course, the guests on the show, they're business owners or they're entrepreneurs. Are there a couple of steps? You know, It might be daunting to think of. 60 million people, but are there a couple of steps May could could use to successfully start a YouTube channel, or mm-hmm. things to do that would help that with their business, or help their business? That
3: is a great question. YouTube is scary. YouTube <laughs> is daunting. People hear it and they're you know I- I- even if you're above a certain age, they say, oh that's not for me. That discourages me a little bit because that's so far from the truth. YouTube is such a great tool, such a great platform, and a couple of a pointers or tips that I would give if you're thinking about starting out. Number one, you got to start. If you don't start, you're never going to do anything. And number two, you need to start out with some type of visual branding. You don't need to just upload a video, have no channel banner, have no channel profile image. And when you do your videos, you want to customize your thumbnails, which are the little images that when you scroll through YouTube, you see as you're clicking on your videos. So those images or thumbnails of your video need to be you know, branded around the imagery that you're using for your channel. So have some type of uh, cohesiveness, a visual branding. And then lastly, this is the most important thing consistency. The one thing about my podcast that I was able to see growth was when I I finally said to myself every Wednesday, regardless whether I have to batch record and record, you know, a bunch of episodes that way, if something happens, I get sick or whatever it may be. Uh, We just recently had our second child. So I had to have a couple of weeks kind of in the can, which was, I was so glad that I did. When I said to myself, every Wednesday I'm releasing an episode of this podcast. Every Friday, the Two Buddy Express podcast comes out, and you know what? For almost a, two or three years, I've never missed but maybe one or two days, and that has really helped the growth of my business and my shows.
0: You know, and I found that is is a, a good point too. Is that start with what you can commit to because consistency is key. Because it's really easy to be ambitious. I'm going to do a daily blank. And then you stop after three days where, hey, do a weekly and be consistent, right?
3: Yeah. I remember when I had such great ambition and such great goals right before my first child was born. I said, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to upload a YouTube video. Then on Saturday, I'm going to live stream. Little did I know that uh, that little um, cute baby in the other room in my house was going to be calling and I was not going to want to be anywhere near my studio. You've got to know what you can commit to. You've got to know what you can do. And then once you've had all that ironed out, take some time before beforehand to really prep it, to really jot down some ideas and some notes and say, okay, I can commit to one video a week on Mondays. I know on Sundays, Saturdays and Sundays I can record. The Same thing goes with podcasting. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and batch record 10 episodes. I'm going to have 10 in the can to start with. That way I have a base of episodes to build on. You got to know who you are as a person. I know that I'm sporadic. I'm a creative person. So I'm all over the place. So I have to have someone like my wife help me with a lot of areas of organization and things like that. We all know who we are. We all know that the types of personalities we have. Understanding that before you go on a journey on YouTube or podcasting is critical.
0: Well, this is a question as we kind of wind down this, Dusty, is this idea with technology today, with the Internet, uh, you see people, and and I just look at the experience around the table, very diverse, but everybody has this this very uh, in-depth knowledge of their craft, so to speak. And what I'm wondering and what I'm asking you is with things as they are today, how easy is it to kind of become an authority and position yourself and really be successful
3: online if you know how to utilize the tools? If you know how to utilize the tools and you're willing to put in the work, the thing that I've found in today's society where, especially with the younger generations, is that people just aren't willing to work. And unfortunately, people want something yesterday they think that automatically they're going to start a YouTube channel and they're going to have 100,000 subscribers. They think they're going to start a podcast and have a listenership listenership base of 10,000 people right off the bat. That just doesn't happen. What you've got to be willing to do is put in the work and put in the time because the barriers of technology are not there. You can literally get set up in your home studio with a Blue Yeti microphone and a free piece of software and a set of headphones and start recording interviews uploading a podcast, isn't that difficult. You can find out how to do it on YouTube. And so at the end of the day, those barriers are not there anymore. The one that's still there is just a work ethic. Are you willing to work? And if you're willing to put in the time and the hours and, you know, maybe work a nine to five job while you're doing this to build it up, then you know what? You're going to be that 1% that does succeed. Well, that's encouraging.
0: And, and what that makes me think my mind goes to, it sounds like you need a realistic plan going into this. Mm -hmm. And so that you don't do that one, one interview and say, why didn't I get 10 clients from that? So is that something you help people do is say, okay, here's a, here's a one year plan, a three year plan. And here, let's map this out. If you really want to do this. So, so that, you know, they don't have unreal expectations.
3: Yeah, I help them kind of tamper down their expectations, as you said. I kind of let them know hey, listen, now I have some clients who release five episodes, and after, you know, episode five or six, they just blow up. I had this lady who did a cooking show. Mm-hmm. She was out of California, and her podcast literally by episode three was getting like 20,000 downloads an episode. Wow. I mean, number one, she's phenomenal on a microphone. She's got a great personality. So everybody's different. And being a business owner like myself, I kind of have to gauge those people as they come in. But what I will tell them is, okay, by month one, we should be here. Uh, By month six here, by about a year out, we're here. Um, And I kind of give them some expectations because a lot of times it's very difficult to tell people what I do for a living. Very difficult. It's something that I try to avoid at all costs, to be honest with you. But what I get to do the most I guess you would say the most enjoyable part of my job is working with these people. Cause I love people. That's, that's the main thing about what I get to do. I love people. I love meeting new people. That's the fun part of my job all over the world. And I tell them, Hey, listen, if you want to do this, if you want to succeed, you got to do this, this, and this. But if you do it, I can almost guarantee you that you're going to see some semblance of success. And I love
0: that, that the technology is not the barrier. I mm-hmm. think so many of us, me included, can use that as a reason mm-hmm. not to do what's possible, A lot of times, it's like so many things, it's what's between our ears, right?
1: One thing I I believe would be helpful to get your reaction to, um, Dusty, there's a, a video expert that I interviewed just this last week, Scott Williford, and not in this interview, but in the first time I interviewed him, he said one of the things he does in trying to get people to recognize the value of producing videos, he says get over yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In other words, you don't have to be a, you don't have to have a national broadcast voice, perfect diction. You don't have to uh, have every word in place. You don't have to be mechanical. Uh, As Scott said, I think quite well, get over yourself and just be yourself. Yeah, you can't let perfection get in the way of
3: great, because at the end of the day, almost 95% of the people that I talk to, and I do a free consultation when people kind of want to come and and possibly bring me on to help consult with their channel or their podcast. I say, they say to me, I hate the sound of my voice. I hate the way I look on camera. Well, I I hate to break it to you, but I can't change you. (laughs) But what I can change is possibly your presentation skills, the way you present yourself on camera. Those kind of things don't matter. Because at the end of the day, what if there are clients out there that you could be getting from your videos and your podcast? What if there are people that you can help change their lives by your content? The longer you wait, the longer you're going to you know, have to, to find that out. And so if we can encourage people on this show today that, hey, just step out of your comfort zone, hit the record button, whether it be audio or video, and start doing something. Because at the end of the day, you know, my dad, he's he may be listening to this, possibly. I don't know if he is. This would be great. He always says, he says, there's people who are doing things, and there's people talking about people doing things. I'd rather be in the latter, and I think you guys would be as well.
1: Well, one final comment on on that bit about get over yourself and just talk and do it. Uh, When I'm coaching someone, among the tips that I give them in writing, one of them is don't try to be perfect, and I misspelled the word perfect. (laughs) That's great. That gets the point across. Well,
0: Dusty, great stuff. I know we could, we could geek out on some of this for, for hours, literally. But somebody out there thinking, you know what? I'm ready to step out of my comfort zone. I know this will be help. This will help position me as an authority here locally if that's my goal. How would they? What's the best way to find out more? Get in touch with you. Connect.
3: Absolutely, I would encourage you if you're into YouTube at all or wanting to start a YouTube channel. The podcast is called YouTube Creators Hub. Um, it's got over 150 interviews with over 150 creators and uh, a great source of backlogged information. You can email me, Dusty at DustyPorter.com. You can go to you know DustyPorter.com if you'd like. You can find me on YouTube, just Dusty Porter. Uh, you can kind of see a trend here. I've tried to kind of base it that way. People know, and they see me, they already know me. Um, so you can you can find me on all the socials at, at Dusty Porter. And, guys, this has been a wonderful, wonderful
1: time today. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Well, it's been fun. Dusty Porter, Jenny Westmoreland, Dr. Bill Lampton, any parting thoughts?
1: I just wanted to say I noticed that when Dusty said to me, how about them dogs Jenny turned and looked at him?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I sure did.
0: <laughs> Another great show, guys. We'll be here talking to more great local businesses and the people behind them right here on North Georgia Business Radio.